Hey, today I wanna talk about the power of connection. The power of connection. I believe that every single one of us has a calling on our life to connect to people and to connect to Jesus. And so we're gonna talk about that today. I wanna ask you a question, okay? And it's okay to actually respond and talk in church, okay? I wanna ask you this question. Do you believe that God values people? Yes, a resounding yes. Everybody pretty much is agreeing that God does value people. Now, here's the thing. If I asked you, do you believe our society values people the same way God does, can we give the same solid yes? No. Isn't that interesting? We're all sitting in this room. I didn't prompt anyone what to say or how to answer, and we're going, yes, we believe that God values people. And yet we live in a society that has conflicting perspectives about the value of human life. And I believe that we've kind of subconsciously been taught by our society that a person's value is attached to and correlated with their contribution, right? So we've been brought up to believe in a society that says, well, based on how a person contributes or when they contribute or if their contribution is actually wanted or helpful, the extent to which they contribute determines their value. The thing is, that doesn't really align with God's word. I'm gonna be honest with you. I believe that it is easy to value people who contribute, right? It's easy to love on people and, and place value on their life when they are helpful and generous and they show up and they're hardworking. What about all the people who are disconnected and isolated? Maybe they take, but they don't give back. Then suddenly our society is like, well, do they matter? Do they value, have value? And we tend to value those people less. But I wanna say today that I think that God's word tells us differently because I believe that the Bible teaches us that we are inherently valuable because God says that we are. Look at this verse in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the word of God says that we were created, you were created in the image of God. We are God's image bearers. He loved us so much that he placed his image within us when he created us in the garden. And that means that God does value people who work hard and who contribute and who give and who show up and who participate. But do you know that that also means that God values and loves people who are difficult. He also values people who complain, who can't get along, who don't show up, who make bad choices. And so the thing is, even when God does not value our behavior, when it doesn't line up with his word, he still values us. I love this verse in John 3.16 and it says, for God so loved the world. Isn't it funny how it didn't say, for God so loved those who would love him in return. It doesn't say, for God so loved people who were productive, who worked hard, who gave big, who showed up. 
What it says is God so loved the world. There was no contingencies to be a recipient of God's love. That's how much he loved us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, but instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now this verse in this chapter, they're actually looking for the return of Jesus and they're probably thinking like we do sometimes, Jesus, you're taking forever. Come back, rescue us. And, and he's saying, hey, God is not actually being slow the way we understand being slow. He's waiting because he doesn't want anyone to perish. That was his heart. And so here, in just a couple verses of the Bible, we see that God has such great value on human life that he sent his son because he didn't want us to perish. And he's waiting for the right time to send his son again because he didn't want anyone to perish. That is God placing incredible value on the human life. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us so incredibly. He loves me, he loves you, that we literally cannot even fathom it. There were no contingencies there was nothing that he said we had to do to be good enough or worthy enough or valuable enough. He just loved us anyways. And he created us in his image. And then he said, I don't want anybody to perish. I'm willing to do whatever it takes because he loves us. And I believe today that if God values people, we should value people. Regardless of growing up in a society that says, Place value on people's lives if they're good to you or if they contribute or if they show up or if they do something that's valuable. God says, no, when you look at people, see them through the lens of my eyes, that I love them, that they're valuable, that I created them in my image. I love what Pastor Kirk says. We've probably heard him say this lots of times. In fact, it's one of his life lessons. He says, God loves you just the way you are but he also loves you enough not to leave you that way. Isn't that a good word? God does love us so much we don't have to do anything to earn or to deserve it, and yet he loves us enough not to leave us there, right? And I believe that God does want what's best for your life. I do believe that he has a specific purpose for you. And so I wanna to talk today about the fact that God does love us regardless of our contribution, but he did intend for us to be contributors. He did intend for us to be connectors to people. If I asked you today just to think, I think I probably know your answer. Do you want your life to matter? I know I do. Do you wanna fulfill your divine purpose and destiny? Yes, I, I've never met somebody that says, I don't care if my life matters. 
right? We, we have something down deep inside of us where we want to know what our purpose is, what our destiny is. We want to fulfill it because we want our life to matter. And I believe that to fully live out the calling and purpose of God on our lives, that connection must happen. And that's what we're gonna explore today. We're gonna talk about the importance of connection. God's heart for us was that we would connect with him in relationship, but it was also that we would connect with other people. I have a, a demonstration that I'd like to share today. I brought an extension cord. I've got a helper coming up. My main man, my husband, Eric Spence. So we, we have this extension cord. You probably have one at your house too. Maybe in the shed or in the attic. He has a very fancy way of keeping ours so they don't get tangled. Now this extension cord just in Eric's hands, it has a very specific purpose, right? We probably all know this, but I'm gonna spell it out really clearly this morning. The whole point of an extension cord is to plug in and to connect to a source of power. But that's not its only intended purpose, right? It's also supposed to connect and transfer that energy to an object or a tool or an item that otherwise can't reach the power source itself. So right here in our hands, it's not doing very much. It has a purpose, but it's not contributing. But in this demonstration, when we take this cord and we plug it into the power source, now it literally has the flow of energy that will help it fulfill its divine purpose and destiny. If you've ever had a need of an extension cord, maybe for your Christmas tree, or in this case today, a lamp, you know that it's very valuable because otherwise you can't get the source of power to where it needs to go. And I believe that we are much like this extension cord, that we have to have two things happen in our life to fulfill our divine purpose and our destiny. We have to be plugged into the source but that's not all, because if we plugged this in and we draped it across the stage, it would still not be serving its purpose. A connection has to happen. And when we connect this lamp to the source of power, then suddenly the extension cord has fulfilled its purpose, right? I know, we were ner I was nervous, Jesus helped that lamp turn on. Thank you, Eric. Hey, we're just like this extension cord, okay? We have to be plugged into God as our source, right? That's the first and most important connection that we're gonna have in our lives. Hands down, no question. But that is not all that we were called to do was just connect with Jesus. I, I've even heard people say that. It's just being Jesus, that's really all that matters. That is not what the word of God says. Right? When we connect to the source, our purpose is to transfer the life and the energy and the healing and the salvation and the transformation of Jesus to somebody who otherwise couldn't reach him themselves. And when we do that, that is where our divine purpose becomes clear. I believe that without a relationship with Jesus, you will never fulfill the purpose of God for your life. 
And that's why that connection with the Lord is the most important. It is the most valuable. It is the most life-changing. But we cannot stop there. We have to keep going because God called us to be a conduit through which the power of the Holy Spirit is moving and transferred to other people. So it's not just about us and Jesus. It's us and Jesus and us and other people that God values. Acts chapter one, verse three through eight. We're gonna read this. I love the book of Acts. And we're gonna look at a few chapters here together today. After his suffering, it's talking about Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Hey, if I was one of the disciples, I'd probably want a convincing proof that this is for real. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Now on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Okay, notice it was not a suggestion. The wording's very strong there. This was a command, okay, a commission. He tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, just like we did today, celebrating the life and the miracle of God's goodness. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still hoping this was the time. This was the chance. And this is what he says. It's not for you to know the times or the dates that my father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he told them, here Jesus is with his closest followers, his friends, his disciples, the ones who stuck it out with him. Stay, wait, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm commissioning you to go out and to be my witnesses, to transfer the life and the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit to someone else. So later on in Acts chapter two, go back and read it this week if you have a chance. It's so encouraging. The people, they're gathered. They're all in one room. They're waiting in anticipation of something happening. They don't know exactly what it's gonna look like or what it's gonna entail, but they know Jesus' word said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And in that moment, the Bible describes it as a mighty rushing wind. Can you imagine the sound, the noise? It describes what looks like flames of fire resting on them and they start speaking in other tongues and the people within the community, they're going, what in the world? Aren't these guys from Galilee? How can I understand them in my own language, my own native tongue? They're confused and perplexed and amazed. And in this moment, what happens is Peter gets up and he takes an opportunity to preach the gospel to people who were on the outside of this move of God who otherwise might not have had access to the life and the power of Jesus. So he goes and he teaches and he preaches and he talks about the life of Jesus. And guess what happens in that one day, 
In that moment of his obedience, it says about 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus and are immediately baptized. 3,000. Because Jesus didn't just say, wait for the Holy Spirit and enjoy his presence in the room. That would have been good, good news, right? But what he said was, wait for the Holy Spirit, the power and the life of God that I'm leaving behind for you to show up so that you can go out and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where you are, your hometown, where you come from, and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he tells them their job is not just to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, but to transfer the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God has commissioned us to do the same as believers, right? It wasn't just for these guys. This is for us. So look what happens in Acts chapter 3. Verses one through 10, we're gonna read this together today. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he naturally asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So he called for his attention. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Probably money. That's what he was asking for. And then Peter said to him, and I love this, with great power and unction, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Immediately. Peter said, hey, I don't, I'm not even interested in what you're asking me for, but I have something better for you. And immediately, after being, ha- having received the power from the Holy Spirit, what are God's people doing? They're going out and they are looking and paying attention for opportunities to transfer the life and the power of the Holy Spirit to someone else in need. And here's the thing, Peter and John were headed to the temple to pray. They weren't headed to the temple to heal people, right? But in that moment, they turned aside and they saw a need. That man did not even ask to be healed. That always struck me. Like if you're gonna go to the temple where people are praying, I'd be begging for people to pray for me to have a miracle. I don't even know that he knew to ask for that miracle. Why? Because he had been lame from birth. He had never even experienced walking on his own two feet. He had to be carried to the temple to beg. He was asking for a temporary solution to what he believed was a permanent problem. I just need some money. I just gotta get by. I just gotta get to the next day. I just need something so I have enough food to eat today. But Peter and John said, wait a minute. You have a need that is greater than what you even know to ask for. 
And I don't have all of these other things that you need from me, but I do have the life and the power of Jesus. And that's what I'm offering to you. Can you imagine what happened in the temple? Everybody knew this guy had been sitting there probably for decades, begging for money, not able to walk, lame from birth, and they see him in there rejoicing and screaming and jumping and praising God. Can you imagine everybody else going, whoa, wait a minute, is that the guy? Is this for real? Could this even happen? And that all happened, why? Because Peter and John turned aside to see a need. And they saw that man through the lens and the eyes of Jesus that said he has value. He wasn't contributing to society. He was doing nothing but begging, right? But because God valued him, God's people valued him, and it changed his life forever. Yes, good. I shared this story um, last Sunday in pre-service prayer, and honestly, I think for me, this moment with God is probably the reason that I had this in my heart to share. I love when God does that, when he, when he speaks to you so sweetly and strategically, and you know, that was from heaven. I better pay attention to that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when Eric and I went home after church, I went to my favorite chair in my bedroom, and I'm looking out on my front yard, and I can see a view of my driveway. And I happened to notice that somebody was walking his dog up our driveway. And at first, I thought, oh, he must know Eric. He must be coming to buy to say hello. Eric talks to everybody in the neighborhood. Okay, he knows every single person. He is so friendly. I'm usually in the house taking care of babies. I don't know, hiding from people because I'm an introvert. I don't know. But I, I thought in my mind, well, he probably knows Eric. Well, then he stopped in the middle of our driveway and he kind of looked around while he was walking his dog like he couldn't figure out where he was supposed to go. And then I was like, well, that's kind of odd because if he knows Eric and he knows we live here, why would he be confused? So I thought, well, I better go tell Eric that he's coming. So I went into the backyard, I found Eric. And while I was out there, I said, hey, Eric, I, I think somebody's here to visit. I'm not really sure he's walking up our driveway. So we walked over, it was an older gentleman. Uh, we just said, hello. Eric introduced himself, I introduced myself. And we said, hey, are you from around here? And immediately, within just a few moments of having an interaction with this gentleman, we knew that he was confused. He did remember his name. He told us, my name's Marvin. And then we were like, well, are you from around here? And he just sort of looked around and pointed to the woods behind our house. But he couldn't even verbalize where he was from or where he came from, where he lived. And so Eric says, well, your dog sure is cute. What's your dog's name? He couldn't remember. And so the whole time my heart starts pounding and I'm going, he doesn't know where he lives. He doesn't know his dog's name. He doesn't know how to get home. What are we going to do? And I'm like looking at Eric, hoping that he's thinking what I'm thinking, but I don't want to say it in front of this gentleman. Hey, he's confused. So we talk to Marvin for a few minutes, and then he proceeds to go what he believes is the path to home. And so Eric and I kind of come over, and I'm like, babe, what are we going to do? 
He's clearly confused. He doesn't know where home is. What if he wanders off and he gets lost? And so Eric follows Marvin and stays by his side, and I call the police, and the whole time I'm in that front window, and I'm praying, and I'm like, Jesus, God, we got to find Marvin. we got to figure out who he is and where he lives. And I'm, and I'm genuinely concerned. I actually stop in that moment, and I care about his life and his future, because I know that if, if we let him slip out of our hands, I don't know where he's going to go. And so I'm praying and I'm talking to the police and they do come and they find Marvin. They are able to figure out who he is and where he lives. But the whole time that I'm praying, I hear this word from the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, we walk around and we see people every day and they're in a spiritual fog and they don't know who they are. They don't know where they came from. They don't know how to get home. And because the appearance of them looks perfectly fine, we just walk right by. And in my heart, I knew how many times have I passed someone by that had a need that I either didn't perceive or didn't want to take time to care about. And the Lord just spoke to my heart in that moment, and I knew our calling, our purpose, our intention, our destiny is not just wrapped up in knowing Jesus. It's also connecting to other people who have a need who may not even know that they're lost and confused. It turns out that Marvin has Alzheimer's. And I was sitting there the whole time thinking, if this were my family member, I would want somebody to stop and care and to pay attention and to stay with him until he got home. Do we care about people, about their life, about their future? Do we stop and actually notice and turn aside like Peter and John and go, hey, you know what? I may not have exactly what you're asking for, but I have something that you need. And it's the life and the power and the healing and the restoration of Jesus. Do we care? I want to say today that you might be the only Bible that someone will read. You could very well be the lifeline. You could be the extension of God's power and life that otherwise somebody won't have access to. Do we value people enough to stop and to turn aside and to connect with them? I know that we probably all say, yeah, I I want to do that. And the reality is, I believe that when you love Jesus, you do love and care for people. But we often do pass people who are in desperate need of a move of God, and sometimes we just don't stop. Or how about this? Sometimes the enemy is telling us lies. Here's some I want to explore with you today. What about this one? You're too old. You're not relevant. You're not even on TikTok. Ain't nobody going to listen to you. That's me, by the way. What about this one? You're too young. You have no street cred. You don't even have wisdom. How do you think you're going to help somebody else? 
What about this one? Your past is too dark. When people find out what you did, they aren't going to listen to you. All respect for you is going to go right out the door. You don't even know enough about the Bible. Do you even read your Bible every day? Hmm. You think that you're going to teach people about Jesus? These are the lies that the enemy tells. Have y'all heard this before or is it just me? Yeah, no, he'll tell you whatever it will take. You got enough stuff to take care of. Woo, I hear that lie a lot of times. Oh, I got four kids. I'm homeschooling. I got a job. I got to make sure these people are fed. The enemy will do whatever it takes to silence your influence. He will do whatever it takes, whatever lie you're going to accept and believe. That's what he's going to feed you. Why? Because he doesn't want us to connect people to the power in the life of Jesus. Right? He didn't want us to connect to the source of power in the first place. But certainly once we've gotten there, he will feed you lies and they will sound like the truth. I don't have time. I don't know enough about Jesus. I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm too scared people gonna think you crazy. Yeah, they might. There really is no shortage of opportunities for us to connect with people. There's no shortage of opportunities for us to be the one that bring them to the place where their light can shine and their life matters and that they are fulfilling their purpose and their destiny. Every single week when we come into this room, this was an opportunity to invite someone to church. Every single week, we have opportunities to gather in this room and worship the Lord and hear the word of God being preached. How hard is it to say, hey, you wanna come to church with me? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? I'm not even saying y'all, I'm looking in the mirror. Every single week we have ministries happening in this, just on this campus. Every Monday night, they celebrate recovery. Do you know somebody who needs recovery? Every single week we have incredible ministry happening for our youth on Wednesday nights, middle and high schoolers. If you know a parent with a middle or high schooler, you should be telling them to get them in church. This is the place where they're gonna connect with God and connect with people. Every single week we have opportunities. When our pastor gets up and he says, hey, we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast. We go, yes, I'm gonna do it because my purpose and my destiny is wrapped up in not only me connecting with God, but me taking that a step further and connecting other people to him. There's no shortage of opportunity. And yet the enemy, he convinces us constantly to be lined to the door at the grocery store or in the neighborhood. And yet we're walking around people with people like Marvin who are lost and they're confused and we may not even see it unless our spiritual eyes are open. And I wanna tell us today, we need to be like Peter and John who turn aside. They were headed to pray. That sounds like a good idea, head to pray. No, they stopped and they saw a need and they brought life and freedom and healing and the restoration and the power of God to somebody who mattered. So I wanna give you a practical charge today. 
because I felt like this is what the Holy Spirit was impressing me to do. Who in your world right now is in need of the power of Jesus? Just sit here in this moment and think, God, who is in my life that needs you? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your precious children. Maybe it is a neighbor, somebody that you live close by, or a coworker, or the person who cuts your hair. There are people all around us who need the life and the power of Jesus, and we might be the only one who has access to connect them to Jesus. Think about that today. God has a purpose for your life. When he said that you were created in his image, he breathed life into you and he said, I love you. But that purpose that he placed on our lives comes to fruition when we connect with Jesus and when we connect with others. And so I don't want us to leave today without really taking a good look at our own life and our own heart and going, what could I do? What opportunities do I have right here, right now in my life to connect someone to Jesus? Maybe you have a calling on your life to teach in a classroom and to love on these precious kids who come here every single week and who need Jesus. And maybe your, your calling is to invite people in your world that nobody else thinks would even think about coming to church. Can you imagine if they rolled up in here and they got saved and they got baptized and their life was changed because you invited them? I invited them? Maybe there's some people in this room that you have a passion for discipling people. You could lead a small group. You could attend a small group. You could invite people in your neighborhood and in your life just to gather and to read the word and pray. We, we make it so complicated, but it's really not. Because it's not by our own strength and power that we are transferring this energy. We just gotta be plugged into the source. That's it. I wanna pray over us today. Lord Jesus, you are so good. You are so good that you knew from the beginning of time that our life had value and meaning and purpose. God, there were no contingencies for us to be the recipients of your love. You just loved us. You loved us while we were still sinners. And you breathed life into us when we came into that relationship with you. And Lord, today I know that there are people in this room who have a calling and a purpose and a destiny that is God-given. I know that there are people sitting in this room who could be teachers, who could disciple people, who could lead a small group, who could sit in a classroom and teach our precious kids the Word of God, who can pray for people to be healed. God, I'm praying that you would reveal that to us even sitting here in this moment, that we would actually believe your word, that you called us just as Jesus called his disciples and followers to connect with you, to connect with your Holy Spirit, but also to connect with people. 
And so Lord, I'm praying today, I'm praying throughout this week that as we go about our lives, as we go about our day, as we head out to work or to school or work with our kids or in our neighborhood, that you would help us turn aside and see a need. And even if we don't feel like we have what people are asking for, we say, you know what? I might not have that, but I have the power and the life and the love of Jesus. God, give us boldness. Help us to listen to your word that Jesus said to go out and to be a witness, to bring people to faith in you, to bring people to church, to disciple people in the faith. God, thank you because I know you gave me this word and I know that you're transferring this to everybody sitting in this room and tuning in online. And so I'm praying, Lord, that we would listen and that we would ask you, God, who is it in my life that you've called me to transfer energy to? The life and the salvation and the love of Jesus. If you're sitting here this morning and maybe you're going, Man, I, I feel like I need some of that. I need some of that life and energy and power. And you cannot confidently say that you are sure about your relationship with Jesus. Hey, I don't wanna leave this moment without giving you the opportunity to be sure that you are connected to the source of life and of power. And so here in this moment, if you're going, you know what, that's me. I, I, I can't connect other people to Jesus because I'm not even sure I am. I wanna take this moment and I wanna pray with you. The Bible says that when we call on the name of the Lord and we believe in Jesus and we believe that he was raised from the dead, just like he appeared to his disciples, that we will be saved. And God's desire for your life is that you would not perish. So in this moment, right here in this room, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and I'm gonna pray with you. We're all gonna collectively pray together because I don't wanna leave this space without knowing that you had the opportunity to say, I need to be connected to Jesus. Would you raise your hand today if that's you? I wanna pray with you today all over the room because I believe that your life matters. And I believe that Jesus knew that you would be here in this moment right now, today. We're gonna pray together all over the room. Would you pray out loud with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for creating me. Thank you for loving me, for giving me purpose. I know that I need you in my life. So today, surrender my life to your Lordship. I want to connect to you in a real way. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Amen.